during all these persecutions from the Jews and even from the government, this church taught us how to respond to persecutions. These Christians taught us how to escape from prison. I'd like you to ask to get your Bible so that you can read along with me. Acts chapter 12. We'll be reading Acts chapter 12, beginning from verse 1 down to verse 5. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. And the Word of God says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it, he saw it please, please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, the title of the message tonight, How to Escape from Prison. How to Escape from Prison. Now, during World War II, 76 pilots and prisoners of war demonstrated courage and ingenuity below ground in toiling for nearly a year to construct a tunnel that would allow them to flee from captivity and what was known to be the Great Escape. These men were placed in one of the most secured Nazi facilities called Stalag Luft III. In this camp, Nazis had taken measures to prevent tunneling, such as raising prisoners' huts of the ground and, and burying microphones nine feet underground along the camp's perimeter fence. In addition, the camp was built atop sandy ground through which it would be extremely difficult to tunnel. But these men never deterred these prisoner, uh, but these measures never deterred these prisoners of war. The secret plan had been led and organized by Roger Bushel, a Royal Air Force pilot who had been shot down over France while assisting with the evacuation of Dunkirk. In the spring of 1943, he and others began to work on an audacious plan and construct three tunnels that would stretch over 300 feet to outside the camp, camp, camp's perimeter, perimeter fence. These prisoners of war, who included many British pilots, as well as Americans, Canadians, Australians, French, and other pilots, and other Allied pilots, they toiled for many days and burrowed down 30 feet in order to be out of range of the microphone. They stripped 
thousand wooden bedboards to build ladders and shore up the sandy wall to prevent collapse. They stuffed 1,700 blankets against the walls to muffle sounds. They converted 1,400 powdered milk tin cans provided by the Red Cross into digging tools and lamps. And eventually, some prisoners stole a wire that they then hooked up to a camp's electrical supply to power a string of light bulbs in the tunnel. They fashioned a simple air pump system built in part with hockey sticks and constructed an underground trolley system pulled by ropes to transport sand with switch over stations. By March 24, 1944, at around 10.30 p.m., the tunnel was complete. And fewer than a dozen, dozen men made it through every hour. However, around 5 a.m., a German soldier discovered the tunnel and the Nazis mobilized a massive manhunt. And within two weeks, the Nazis had captured 73 of the escapees. Only three men successfully fled to safety. Two Norwegians and a Dutchman. What a great plan of escape. Would you agree? Well, in Acts chapter 12, records the great escape of the Apostle Paul, an escape that no man could ever done. We will go through the background of Acts chapter 12 so that we can understand the setting during that time. But before that, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here once again this evening. I do pray for the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I do pray for your grace and your mercy upon us. Help us, dear Father, to live and understand your word daily. And even tonight, as we look into your word, I do ask that you would lead us and give us a receptive heart in order for us to draw ourselves to live closer to you and that our faith will be strengthened this evening. I do pray that you will bless the remaining time that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, after the Holy Ghost, on the day of Pentecost, and empower, and was, uh, came and empowered the apostles and other believers to witness uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, they began to spread and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's the same witness or the same truth to us today. We are Christ's witnesses to this world. It's the same as today. And they began to, began to preach from Jerusalem, and many responded and accepted the, the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. Just read the book of Acts. However, persecutions came from the Jews, especially from the Pharisees and Sadducees. 
Satan always has his ways to destroy the church. But God in, and his promises still and will always prevail. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so the church kept growing despite persecutions. And because of persecutions, Christians spread abroad from Jerusalem. Now they came to Judea and Samaria, but they never forgot that they should be witnesses for Christ. As a result, the Christians grew their number and influence as far as Syria. And that's why when you read chapter 9, now Saul not only persecuted the church in Jerusalem, but he came to Judea and Samaria, but he, but he went as far as Damascus, where he met the Lord on his way there. Now here we are in chapter 12. Another persecution arose, but this time it came from the government. And we can read that. And we see first that the government, government persecuted violently. Now look with me in verses 1 to 4. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded farther to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep, to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, the government persecution of the church is not new in our time today. They experienced this kind of persecution in their time too. And persecutions are part of Christians' DNA. Now, if you read John chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus said there that if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, when you read verses 1 to 4, do you think this kind of persecution is happening in our country today? Do you think? Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe in some countries, in some other countries, I would agree with that. But here, God gave us the liberty to hear and preach God's words. You ask, even if they shut us down, Yes, even they shut us down. Now look closely and see how we can still broadcast God's word. We can still go out flyering, actually. So I believe we should thank the Lord and we should not participate in protests to government or sign any petition because, because that is not the solution to this kind of situation. We live in a world wherein people protest, protest if they feel and think they don't like what they, have, what they are experiencing. But this is not the Christian way. 
indefinitely, this is not the biblical way. Now, after James, the brother of John, was beheaded, of course, and that you can read that in verse 2, Herod proceeded farther to took Peter because verse 3 says that it pleased the Jews. It pleased the Jews. And furthermore, Herod put many, many Roman guards to keep Peter in prison. So basically, it's 16 guards there throughout the day. And they keep on switching for ships and something like that. So persecutions to the church keep adding. At first, for, from the Jews. And now from the government. As the church keeps growing, it seems that hardship and violence are increasing too. But look how in the second, where the church prayed earnestly. At first, we see government, the government persecuted violently. In the second, we see the church prayed earnestly. Now look with me in verse 5. And I think this is the turning point of our story here. But Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. This is where we get the idea of escaping from prison. I don't teach you how to escape from prison literally, but this is where we get the idea of escaping from prison. During all these persecutions from the Jews and even from the government, this church taught us how to respond to persecutions. These Christians taught us how to escape from prison. Now, how to escape from prison? Now, obviously, in verse 5, it says there, it's through prayer. It's through prayer. Prayer moves the hand of our almighty God. But notice here, it's not just only talking about prayer, but first we can see here that prayer was the very first thing the church did. It was not their final resort, but it is their first, it's the first thing that they did. So it's the same with us when persecution comes, when trials comes, when trials come in our way. My prayer that it would be the first, the very first thing that we will do is to look unto God, to search and come to God in prayer. But notice also, not only that is the first thing that they did, but also second, the Bible says in verse 5, there's prayer without ceasing. It was a fervent prayer. And actually, it's interesting when you look at the Greek, the Greek word used here is what the same as when Christ in agony prayed more earnestly and he sweat as it were great drops of blood down to the ground. And that's the same Greek word there. This would give us an idea that it's only God that can intervene this kind of situation. 
And no one can go there in prison and to just break down, break into the prison and take Peter. It's impossible. And this is, this is the only, this is the situation wherein God can only intervene. And so for this church, they believe that this was the only way that they can do. So they do it. And they do it right. The Bible says, The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man, man availeth much. But not only prayers, the first thing that they did, they also pray without ceasing. But notice with me, the church actually gathered together. The church prayed together. And this is where we get the power of combined church prayer. Now, there are prayer requests that only concerns you, concern you. So you keep them to yourself. And sometimes there are prayer requests that concern the whole church, right? So the church family needs to get involved. And since the story concerns the whole church, they prayed as a church family. Now, that's why I encourage you, let us not neglect our prayer meetings. Every Wednesday, we have that. I know, I know some of you sometimes have work. But if you have no work on Wednesday, tune in. Join, join us online and pray with us. When the gathering of the church comes back, then come to the church and get involved in prayer. Now you see, we, we see in our passage, the government persecuted violently. But second, the church prayed earnestly. But look with me as we read now how God answered miraculously. Now I'll read verses 7 to 11. It's kind of a little, a little bit of lengthy passage, but if you can... Um, look with me and, and read with me in verses 7 to 11. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined shine in, in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed through on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know I know of surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all expectation of the people of the Jews. Here, 
we see the power of combined prayer of the church. Peter was kept in prison with great deal of care so that it was impossible, impossible to get him out. My thought of this is that Herod secured the place so tightly because of what happened during Jesus' resurrection. Jesus escaped from the tomb. But even in our most discouraging moments, and this is a discouraging moment for the church, Peter was in prison. You know, even in our most discouraging moments or circumstances, God hears our prayers. And let us not forget that. We should always remember that God hears our prayers. Most of the time, God hears our prayers in a jaw-dropping fashion. I like that. I mean, was Peter's escape a miracle to you? Absolutely. It was a miracle. You know, when King Hezekiah received the message from the Lord, and I tell you, this is not a good message. And he received a message through Isaiah that he shall die and not live. But the Bible says that he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord. And in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 2. And the Bible says that God heard his prayer. You know, sometimes our circumstances or our health can be discouraging. And for sure, God does not let anything to happen without a purpose. And sometimes health problems are God's way to strengthen our our faith and your faith. Sometimes God wants you to learn something from your sickness. Did you ever thought of that? And sometimes it's his ways to get your attention. No matter the reason it may be, God hears us when we come to him in prayer. He will not hide his face from us. Now, if you read also in Exodus Exodus chapter 2, the Israelites cried out unto God. So when Israelites were oppressed by the Egyptians, they cried out to God, and God heard their prayers. And God sent Moses to lead them out from Egypt. And likewise, God will hear our prayers to him. Now, to illustrate that, I would like to tell you a story. It's about George Mueller. Now, if you know him, he is a man of prayer. And I, most of the time, over and over again, read this story. And always, you know, um, not crush my heart negatively, but it's just being thankful because God always hears. 
He hears our prayers. Now, he and his wife was started a bre uh, breakfast club, which was simply by faith, providing breakfast for orphans that would come their way each day. They didn't have regular funding for this. It was all by faith. Now, here's one marvelous account. I hate to bother you, Mr. Mueller, began the matron. But the children are all, are all ready for breakfast. And there is nothing, and there's not a thing in the house to eat. What shall I tell them? George stood up. I'll take care of it. He reached down and took the little girl's hand. Come and see what's God, what God will do, he said. Inside, they found 300 children standing in neat rows behind the chairs. Set on the table in front of each child were a plate, a mug, and spoon. But there was no food whatsoever to be seen. Where's the food? The little girl asked in a whisper. God will supply. George told her quietly. Before he turned to address the children, there's not, not much time. I don't want any of you to be late for school, so let us pray, he announced. As the children bowed their heads, George simply prayed, Dear God, we thank you for what you are going to give us to eat. Amen. George looked up and smiled at the children. You may be seated, he said. He had no idea at all where the food he had just prayed, prayed for would come, would come from or how it would get to the orphanage. He just knew God would not fail the children. A thunderous noise filled the room as 300 chairs were scuffed across the wooden floor. Soon all 300 children sat obediently in front of their empty plates. No sooner had the noise in the dining room subsided that there was a knock at the door. George walked over and opened the door. In the doorway stood the baker, the baker, holding the huge tray of delicious smelling bread. Mr. Mueller began the baker. I couldn't sleep last night. I kept thinking that somehow you would need bread this morning and that I was supposed to get up and bake it for you. So I got up at two o'clock and made three ba batches for you. I hope you can use it. George smiled broadly. God has blessed us through you this morning. He said as he took the tray. Uh, There's two more trays out in the, in the cart, said the baker. Oh, I'll fetch them. Within minutes, the children were all eating freshly baked bread. And as they were enjoying, as they were enjoying it, there was a second knock 
at the door. This time, it was the, milk, uh, the milkman who took off his hat and addressed George. I'm needing a little help, if you could, sir. The wheel on my cart has been broken right outside your establishment. I'll have to lighten my load before I can fix it. There's a ten full cans of milk on it. Could you use them? Then looking at the orphans sitting in, in rows, he added, Oh, free of charge, of course. You see, prayer will enable us to see that the impossible in the eyes and the logic of men can become possible because of God who does impossible things. Now, spiritually speaking, are you in prison, prison right now? Are you in difficult situation? If you are not saved, the Bible says that you're in bondage of sin. I didn't make it up. That's what the Bible says. John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the only way you can escape from your prison or bondage of sin is through knowing the truth. Because John 8, 32 says that the truth shall make you free. And what is the truth? Who is the truth? John 4 and 6 says, Jesus said, saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you want to escape from prison, my friend? I encourage you to don't delay. Don't delay. Come to God in prayer because he hears you. Acknowledge that you are a sinner bound to hell and you can't save yourself except you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and personal Savior. Now to all Christians, I would like to address you. Are you in prison right now? I don't know what prison it may be. Maybe there's, there's sin in your life that it seems you can't get out. Perhaps it's a broken relationship that has never mended for so many years. Maybe personal struggle that seems unbeatable. Maybe bitterness to someone that seems to cling in your heart for years. We just learned tonight how to escape from them, how to escape from your prison. It is through prayer. It is through prayer. But not just one-time prayer. It must be an unceasing prayer until you receive the answer from our God. Thank you for watching the message today. 
We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word. Thank you.